Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. And welcome to a special edition, a grand final edition. My name's Pete Matthews. I'm here with Malcolm Ashwood, and as we promised a couple of weeks ago, we'd be doing a grand final review. And didn't, and it was totally appropriate with opening with the national anthem. So, yes, <laughs> awesome. Uh, coming up in today's episode, we're going to talk about a couple of our uh, favourite moments from the grand final. We've got some uh, very, very special guests to join us today: Jacob Kennelly. Sam Morris, Harry Boyd and Matt Panos. Just amongst a few of the guests there, Malcolm. Yep, we've got the big names out and about. Around the Grounds. So to start us off with Around the Grounds, we thought we might just take a little bit of a season in review. The season that was, Norwood finishing third on the ladder this year with 12 wins, 6 losses. Fantastic effort, really. And it was, you know, we, we started the year slowly and then, you know, a couple of momentum, things changed. You know, the Adelaide win, the win at Alberton, and Chris gradually built momentum and enabling us well, when we did finish third, and we did know that for the last minor end game that we had the double chance, it gave us that just little bit of scope and not experimentation that we could take the risk of going in, playing both Matty Panos and Matty Nunn coming back from injury. Experiment with Rokar's injury. You know, and look, Rokar, I can't I can't compliment Rokes enough. His injury to get from uh Twig afterwards that if that had been in the minor round, he would have missed twelve weeks. His ability to carry pain is up there with Gary McIntosh. And uh, Nick Rokar I just can't salute him highly enough. Yeah, I think a lot, a lot of the supporters would be uh, right behind you there, mate. Well, you know, to give the Nord faithful a little bit of info and all that, we actually had six players went into that game. And let's just say the doctors nailed it. And the medical 
we can't praise the medical fraternity, the medical group at Nord enough paid a huge part in this premiership, a massive part. Mate, we, you know, obviously we go through the season early on, it's a bit scratchy. We're four wins, five losses at the Port Adelaide game, which is round 11. Um, you know, we turn it all around. We play unbelievably well at, at Alberton, which is which is a good one to get, especially at, at Port at Al- Alberton. You know, and then we go on a eight win streak. It was good fun in that uh, game at Alberton, walking up to Timmy G, reminding him that when Nord win, that the the uh, Gallagher Williams Trophy is still the most important trophy in world sport. If we lose, it means nothing. But since we were we're going to win, it's obviously still the number one. And you know, the winning can't continue forever. But uh, you know, we. Didn't quite get the job done against West Adelaide in the last minor round. Yeah, in the end, I know it sounds silly, but it was certainly not the loss we had to have. But no. but you do review more when you lose. Yep. And there were a couple of things that game we didn't nail, and Twig and the coaching group, you know, reviewed it very thoroughly. Then I think we all, all of us as Nord supporters, hang on. We've lost to West Adelaide. We've only scraped in against Centrals by a point. How are we going to go on the bigger ground? You know, our game was suited, you know, are our defensive structures and our game set up just only suit, you know, to Nord and we'll yep. go only the smaller grounds. Yep. How are we going to go? Then we go out and get thumped in the qualifying final. I think we all thought, wow. What's going to happen next? But to the group's credit, the belief they came out against Glenelg. And yeah, while we were down early, I still thought we're okay. I, I'm, and probably I'm known as being a bit of a pessimist. Um, I still thought we were fine. And at halftime, I was pretty confident that we were going to go away yeah, I mean, and win that game. Goal-kicking accuracy was fantastic. I mean, 12 goals, 7. You know, that's what you really want. You want to continue that scoreboard pressure. And like you said, you know, at halftime, it was, it was looking pretty good. Yeah, we controlled the ball a fair yeah. bit yep. after the first quarter. You know, we really inside fifties, locking it in, all the the tick boxes which the you know, the Nord Brains Trust used, we were doing and yeah, we ran off. away in the end. Absolutely. And then obviously we play Adelaide again, which, you know, is a bit of a cause for concern that they play them two weeks earlier and get a bit of a touch up, but they, they certainly responded. Yeah, so at the at that game, I was with uh, Raf Sturk, Triple Olympian, uh, Pembroke mate, uh, Triple Olympian in water polo, and a mate of his uh, from the Ward Shoes fame from on the parade, which I'm sure the Nord people all know. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, we weren't expecting wet weather, and he's gone, hey, rain's coming, and I've provided with a bit of colourful language, just tell it to hurry up. And it was, it was like, Again, a bit like Sammy Morris's smother. It was an angel from heaven when the rain came down against Adelaide because they were tall. Yep. We were struggling a little bit of their pace as well. And, it, it, yeah, we then came from behind in and, that last quarter. And it was a tight tussle. And, yeah, like you said, they had to come from behind. And, and they've done that a few times through the year in a few of the the uh, minor round matches where they've, they really had to fight their way out of trouble and, and did it superbly. You know, baden Lowe's had a huge last quarter. Mitch Carroll... You know, Mitch Carroll had come back into the side for that prelim final. You know, and he played played a few games in the year. I think his grand final was his sixth or sixth game for the year. So yeah, I reckon the coaching group, uh, anyone, any support or anyone queries their selections, uh, whatever they can just answer the very two words, Mitch Carroll. And then obviously moving into the grand final, underdogs against probably a red hot North Adelaide, really. Look, and you did look at their side and. Geez, both Coombs, you know, young. 
uh, wig. Um, Pretty good. It's a good side. Absolutely. And, you know, yes, we were underdogs. And, again, you know, the character, yes, the rain, the rain helped. We can't, you know, no. which is great. Yep. I, th- I think it's even more credit. It's not taking anything away from us. So I think it's more credit that we're a good wet weather side. Absolutely. And, you know, to come... 18-minute mark, 17 points down. Absolutely. Incredible. I mean, to, to have two big comebacks in a grand final, I mean, really that first quarter, they were really struggling early on, sort of found their groove a little bit towards the end of that quarter and really took it into the to the second quarter and obviously half time, you know, just where they needed to be, really. Yeah, and then, really, we controlled the first half of the third quarter, but we just didn't put it on the scoreboard. Yep. And then, you know, they get a goal, which is a bit lucky, and then staggering umpiring. And I am saying that as an umpire. Yep. And I've got to admit, I was glad to run into a pretty well-respected SNFL AFL umpire on on Saturday and say, right, what did you think? And he agreed that yep. it was a, you know, he's saying his exact words, in that situation, it's got to be a pretty gro- grievous breaking of the rules to pay a free kick. Yep. The umpire panicked. Look, and I'm not excusing young Kelly, it's a pet hate of mine. The yep. players don't know the rules inside out. Yes. And if you give the players an exam on the rules at any level, yep. the majority fail, and, and I hate that. But it was panic umpiring. Just so vital then. It was yeah, yes. it was poor. I mean, that stemmed from an incident that happened at, at centre-half back there, you know, a couple of minutes earlier. And like you said, yeah, the, the umpire unfortunately did panic in that situation and, and, and really didn't help. <laughs> It was reactive umpiring, yes. not yep. proactive. He should have got in there, really talk it up, guys. Don't do anything. Don't, don't touch. Do anything rah, rah, yep. And just taken over and sh- and had some ownership of the moment, but he didn't. Yep. Fantastic. Uh, obviously, that leads us into it. Mate, what's your favourite moment of this grand final? Well, I'm going to go with a couple. Look, it was a privilege to be on the ground. Um, I I really didn't do much with the, with the banner bit, probably just being the older voice and older head around during that week. But the banner, Alex Milicevic, uh, apologies if I haven't pronounced that correctly, but he was huge as the leader. And there were a lot of people put up their hand to help. And we worked it out that it was over 200 hours was spent that week. And anyone who saw the banner on grand final day, it was awesome. And to get from the North Adelaide, who are the leading group, North Adelaide were the leading group. If you go through North Banners, they're the leading leading club in Australia, not just... Yep. And to get from um, one of the mates from North, one of their girls on the cheer squad, said, hey, your banner was superb. Yep. That was huge. And Harry Boyd obviously helping out as well. Oh, look, Harry Boyd turning up on the Friday night, he just gets it. Um, and, that just, and that just lifted the faithful up and... Hey, if there's a player who's popping in to say hello, I just thought that was awesome. He's he's, he's got a, he's got his head switched on that lad. Yep. Um, look, personal one, and it is personal. I've had a fair bit to do with Jack Hurd over the years. You know, originally, ironically, right back to grade t- when he was in grade two at Princes uh, with Auskick, and so he wore the St Kilda number twelve Guernsey, and he had the blonde hair. So that's where the Rewalt whole yes. bit comes from, yep. and. If you're the Nord faithful and the Nord players now call him Rewalt from me, yep. and yeah, him coming to me after the after the game, and yeah, what he said to me was yeah, meant a lot to me. Fantastic, a hell of a lot. Go for it. Your favourite moment, mate? Uh, look, there's too many to choose from, really, but I probably get down to the Jarvis goal from fifty. It was really the right 
time, ice running through his veins, and he just kicked so beautifully. He kicked through it, and it's Neville Roberts has been doing a fair bit of work with with the forward line over the procedures ten to twelve weeks, and yeah, Ben nailed it. He did, and it, it was you know right when Nord needed a, a bit of uplift, and and they got it. Got us within five points. Yes, look, you know, another pivot, the pivotal moment. You know, um, oh look, there's a, there's several. You know, uh, obviously Sam Sir Sir Smother Morris is Smother coming from nowhere. Matty Panos's goal, but look also a pivotal moment was Lockyer for North Adelaide. They're five points up. He kicks that goal. It's game over. Yeah, if he kicks a point. That's got, that That's was going to have a huge, yeah. huge influence. And as he was running in to goal, I was down that end, just past the point post, and he virtually ran straight at us. And language aside, I've said to the guy, he's going to effing kick this out on the full. And, and the he rest did, is and history, he sort yeah. of looked at me. What I said because that's exactly where he ran. Yeah. It was he broke every single coaching mantle. He ran straight at goal. He dropped the ball too high. He leant back and and didn't kick through it. Apart from that, it was perfect. In other words, he stuffed everything up. Yeah. My pivotal moment, obviously, in, in the grand final, I mean, there's a couple for me too. The blocking, the team effort, the, the, the want, the will for everybody to work as a cohesive unit. But, you know, there's one moment that really, as a slightly shorter guy and, and, and playing in those type of positions, the clean pickup of Josh Richards, that mongrel punting ball coming out of defence uh, for North Adelaide, it could have bounced any which way, and he took it as clean as anybody oh. has taken it and just put it on the boot, and, and, and the goal was just unbelievable. And it was from a soccer off the ground. It could have yeah. gone anywhere. Yep. Again, technique got low, picked it up beautifully. Yep. Fantastic. It, it was certainly exactly what you wanted. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we've covered quite a bit in this first little section here. We're going to come back with a couple of uh, guest interviews. Uh, we've got Jacob Kennelly and Sam Morris coming up. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Five good minutes in the clubhouse. We're privileged to welcome Jacob Kennelly, Nord Vice Captain, of course, and uh, you know had a great, fantastic uh, season. Welcome aboard, JK. Thanks, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Right, Jacob. We'll go through a, a few things. So picked up by Geelong, uh, unlucky enough. Two years for the COVID years. Go through what that was like, the highs and lows. Um, yeah, it was obviously pretty surreal getting drafted. Um, something I've been working towards probably that last sort of the under 16s, 17s, 18s at Nord and, and Ross Trevor State footy. That's what I've been working towards was getting drafted. And it's always a dream of mine growing up. And um, for that to happen, it was obviously pretty cool. Um, yeah, spent yeah two years there, as you mentioned. Um Met some amazing people, some amazing footballers. Um, had some amazing experiences that I wouldn't have had anywhere else. Um, 
played some pretty good footy here and there in, um, in the v- VFL throughout a few pre-se- few couple of pre-seasons, a um, couple of really strong pre-seasons, I thought. And, um, yeah, I played a couple of pre-season games for the AFL side, but, um, yeah, unfortunately wasn't able to crack into the team at all while I was there. Um, probably complained a little bit on, on sort of my final year there being a COVID year, but um, obviously Geelong is also a pretty uh, handy side, or they have been for the last sort of 15 years. So Not, not the easiest um, midfield to break into, yeah, JK. Yeah, nah, while I was there, yeah, Mitch Duncan, Joel Selwood and all them running the wings and um, yeah, it was kind of hard to get a look in and um, yeah, unfortunately it didn't work out, but um, I'll never, never, yeah, um, sort of give back any of that. I, I loved it and um, it's it's helped me out in the long run. Um, well, it will, and it has already. So, um, very appreciative. Who who were you following around in the midfield there? Who was who was your shadow? Um, yeah, I, I worked pretty closely with Menegola out in the wing. Um, Paddy Dangerfield's also pretty helpful with the younger guys, especially with my um, my inside midfield craft. Um, Cam Guthrie's. Uh, one of the most underrated players going around in the AFL. He's an absolute superstar, and I got along really well with him. Um, and yeah, just there was lots of one-on-one training there, um, especially throughout the midfield. And probably before I got to Geelong, I um, was more of seen as an outside player. And I think it's um, been proven that those two years there, um, training with those guys, has definitely helped me out in my inside midfield craft. So um, yeah, it was yeah unreal. I think you've got a pretty good mix there, personally, now, both inside and outside, uh, JK. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so, too. Mate, the, um, the, the game this year, heading back to uh, Port Lincoln, uh, playing against West Adelaide, what, what was that feeling like? Uh, that, was, that was unreal. I, I, well, I, probably the year before, um, back in 2021, I sort of dreamed about it, we were, I remember talking about it with mum on a car ride um, back on the EP. I was like, geez, how cool would it be for Norwood to get back here and play a game in front of uh, supporters back there, family and friends? And, um, yeah, for it to happen was unreal. And to get a good win like we did over there as well um, definitely helped. Um, I think it was a very well run, um, very well executed um, weekend um, by the club. And, um, yeah, obviously very thankful for West Adelaide coming over as well. Um, playing against us but um yeah to get back in front of the family and friends um i had, I had a group of mates in the pocket who'd food out a fair few beers <laughs> and uh yeah kicked keep, keep the goal in the last quarter yes. and got around him a fair bit so um that was obviously pretty special um jacob leadership side of things it does seem to come to you pretty naturally but you stepped up to the role big time when maddie nun got injured just go through it wasn't only with the senior squad. Go through the whole club side of it, the juniors and the leadership aspect in general. Um, yeah, well, sort of my first year back last year, I wasn't in a leadership group or anything, but um, I think I've always sort of had that uh, leadership mindset. I've always loved um, yeah, teaching people and um, instructing people, um, and I think, yeah, it's one of my real strengths. Um, I've been, yeah, able to obviously jump up in the leadership group. Probably Twig invited me into it, um, start of pre-season. Um, yeah, you just gone, and um, yeah, by the end of pre-season, I was invited in as vice captain, and that was obviously um, pretty unreal. I, yeah, I don't um, take that role lightly. I'm very, very proud of it, and um, 
So it should be. be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, vice captain of um, uh, yeah, a big club like Norwood is is unreal. Um, yeah, I suppose from a club aspect, I think um, yeah, I've, I'm good mates with um, Michael Noel, the under-18s coach of um, the year just gone, and um, he invited me out a fair bit to the under-18s. Um, I actually knew quite a few boys from the EP and Ross Trevor out there as well, so that that helped. And um, by the end of the season, I was actually yeah, felt very comfortable going out to 18s training and, and giving them a few tips here and there. And I was pretty gutted when I found out they had lost in the, um, was it prelim or, yeah, prelim they yeah. lost in. So, um, yeah, no, it's obviously pretty special. But, um, yeah, it's been a, a big year of learning for me and leadership-wise. I've had to step up a lot. And um, I think it's overall helped out my footy um, personally as well. So, um, yeah, I can't take that back and I love it. Great effort, mate. Mate, the uh, the team achievement obviously this year is is quite a big one, but um, you know blocking for King in the grand final there uh, is, is that something that you guys have practiced? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, we do um, definitely, especially forward stoppage, um, or forward fifty stoppages. We we do. We I think I think we talk about it a lot because um, it's not something it's not something that you can sort of. You can train it, but it doesn't um, sort of – it's just sort of something that you do. Like, it's pretty easy just to stand in front of someone. It's mm-hmm. more of a mindset thing as um, Twig and everyone sort of you just reiterate it to each other, lay a block, lay a block, and everyone knows exactly what to do. It's it's pretty simple just to get in front of someone. And we had a fair few edits throughout the year that Twig had showed of um, blokes blocking. And I think towards the back half of the year, especially with Boydie's dominance in the ruck, we were able to – sort of use our blocks a lot more and not and be a lot more proactive um, instead of hanging off or um, being really reactive to our opposition. Boydie allowed us to um, sort of get really proactive with those blocks. And obviously, yeah, I, I looked to lay a couple here and there. I, I, yeah, because I, I, I know when my teammates are probably in a better position than me to win the footy. So um, it was, yeah, pretty, pretty cool that it paid off in that moment. And It was interesting that... You're saying on the practice, because you, you timed it superbly. Like Cameron Craig's a good player, a yeah. good player. But he, he didn't quite get in the right spot, but, geez, your timing was absolutely yep. perfect. And North yep. Adelaide, trust me, I ended up with a few of the North officials after the game. They were filthy that it was, that it was Matt, you know, the king, that Matty Panos was the one who got through, yep. saying how yeah. dare could we let let – Panos be the one to get through. So certainly suck them in, suck them into the contest a little bit. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I mean, in that moment as well, I, I do feel for sort of Cameron Craig and then being a, a defender in that mo- moment is pretty stressful. And you sort of, um, yeah, you, you're just trying to hang on for dear life to your opponent, just not not obviously give away a free kick. You're trying to do as much as you can, and um, someone getting in the road can obviously sort of, yeah. Into that a little bit, and um, yeah, they brought him enough space. I think both angles have captured it really well, and um, I think that yeah, if you look at the stoppage before that, just on the half forward flank on the wing, um, Nick Loudon does the exact same thing for Panos. It didn't pay off, but yeah, um, that's the stuff that that happens every every stoppage we try to anyway. So right. worked, um, it worked out pretty well this time. Last one, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mate, your uh, personal achievements this year, I mean, your elite running is obviously a strength of yours. I'm assuming that sort of came from that little bit of AFL experience at Geelong. Um, six, um, 16.4 kilometres in, in one game is not, not a bad effort, mate. Uh, yeah. I may have done a bit of research there, Jacob. 
Yeah, what's that? Sorry, I may have done the research there, mate. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, I've uh, yeah, I've always been a good runner. I, I think it's um, something I've uh, had probably since yeah, like sort of junior athletics and stuff back home in the country. Um, just used to run and play sport all day, every day at school and and footy and whatnot. And um, yeah, um, my old man was a pretty skinny. Skinny young footballer himself, so I think I get that a little bit from him. Um, and it's probably one of the main reasons why I actually, why I actually got drafted um, back there in 2018 was because of my running ability. So it's always been sort of my strength, and um, yeah, I still probably don't get to use it quite as much as I'd like on on a skinny Nord Oval, but um, and when I'm playing in the midfield, but um, it obviously it, it pays off at that different times and can have a really big impact on the game and I think when Adelaide Oval especially um, on that bigger open more open ground um, it actually yeah paid off me a little bit more than it had throughout the year during final series so that's a very good point yeah mate has uh, has there been any AFL interest uh no no I, I no I can safely say I haven't really talked to too many um I was on the the Port Adelaide um uh, COVID top up list this year, but nothing, nothing serious. So, if um, something if something did come come around, do you think you're better prepared for for the opportunity if it arises? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely attack it differently. I'd come in wanting to play round one instead of sort of waiting. Um, that's probably probably a bit to do with where where I was at when I got there to Geelong. I was a young, skinny eighteen year old. Um, who, yeah, probably definitely wasn't ready. My body wasn't ready, but I sort of sort of took that as, um, yeah, I'm probably a fair way off playing AFL. And by the time I got around, my time was like where, by, by the time my body had built up and I was at the point where I probably could be playing AFL, I, um, it was probably too late. So, um, yeah, I just would, yeah, love, love, it would be awesome to have another opportunity. But obviously, I'm, I'm also pretty happy playing here at Norwood. So, yeah. Good to hear. Yeah, I find it interesting still the leadership side of things that you know you followed at Ross Trevor from I will be honest the best lead junior leader I've had anything to do with with Luke Valenti. It's, yep. you know anything with Luke Luke that side of it and then because it is quite interesting that two outstanding leaders in such quick succession. Yeah, um, well, yeah, Luke was definitely someone that I looked up to um, when I got to Ross Trevor. I um, he was probably the first bloke that actually talked to me outside of the boarding house um, and pretty much because he knew that I was at Nord under-16s that year. And, um, yeah, he, he's had a huge influence on me leadership-wise. He was head prefect at Ross Trevor. I was sort of one of his um, – I was a house captain prefect, so I was in below him and um, he, he'll – Talk in there. Sorry, my, just dropped out um, there for two seconds there, mate. Oh, sorry. sorry about that. That's all right. Um, no, I learned a lot from him. Like, he was always captain of my footy side or captain of my school, like I said, and um, we're really good mates. He sort of took me under his wing when I first got there to Ross Trevor and Nord. And, um, yeah, he, I, I, yeah, I'd love to have him out playing for Nord as well. But, um, yeah, I, I'm still good mates with him and always will be, so... Um, Likewise. Yeah, no, he's, uh, he's a ring seller, and um, yeah, I'll definitely take a little bit of my leadership ability from him. 
you know, you, your leadership was a huge part of this flag. You know, you move on to Harrison Wig, who was you know the key link man for the Roosters in the first quarter. Your footy sparks came to the fore with your superb block of Cameron Craig. Look, you know, it's something I've spoken about. And look, I just want to praise you, your relationship with your grandparents, with Gil and Jan Hollenby, the the photo of you hugging them on the victory lap is my favourite photo of the uh, of the premiership. Look, just massive credit to you that you see what's important that where you put your grandparents number one after a game upstairs in the in the in the club. Massive respect. Thank you, thank you, mate. You're a gun. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Thanks, mate. Uh, Thanks for giving us your time uh, tonight, mate. And um, we really look forward to uh, seeing you in the red and the blue next year. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. Number 2023, let's do it, eh? Hey? Let's do it. Bloody oath. Thank you. Thank you, mate. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Welcome to Sam Morris, another Nord Premiership star from 2022. Welcome, Sam. Thank you very much for giving us your time tonight, and we're here to talk about the year that has been. Welcome yeah, aboard, no Sammy. Thanks for having me, fellas. Mate, let's just start from your junior career. Where, give us a bit of a rundown of you know where you've come from and uh, and what you've been doing. Yeah, so um, I, mean, I can be happy to hear this, but I played all my, my juniors with Paynham Nord Union. That was a deliberate question, Sammy. Yes. Yeah, I thought that might have been. See, I started out there when I was about four or five um, and pretty much played there up until I was 16. Um, And then obviously with Nord getting a little bit more serious with the under-18s, I sort of stopped playing there. But um, yeah, that's always going to be my my local club and I'm pretty keen to return back there after I have a a decent sample career, hopefully. So got a lot of love for the Painted Football Club. And hopefully the Paynham Cricket Club too, remember? Yes. Oh, I wasn't the best cricketer ever, but... <laughs> uh, we'll work yeah, on that. Yeah. <laughs> There's always room for improvement. Exactly. No, no, we, Sammy came along and watched a few games last year you know, with, with watching a couple of his mates with the, with the 2020 side and it was great that he came out to have a look. Actually, I used to play for the Dukes, Malcolm, but... Yes, um, yes. I gathered up pretty quickly when uh, footy, footy took over. We'll work on that, mate. Yeah. So yeah, let's go. So the, this year, the game against Adelaide, the balls were trickling towards the boundary line. You keep it in. Your role in that goal for the king, to keep the king kicking the goal, yeah, you know, with virtually the last thirty seconds. Do you reckon subconsciously you relaxed and almost felt, yeah, I, I belong, I belong at league level. Yeah, I think that was probably like a massive um, confidence booster for me because obviously it was a pretty big moment. Um, and I actually started that game down forward. I got put um, on half back when Charles got injured pretty early in the game. So, um, yeah, just knowing that I could sort of stand up in those big moments gave me a lot of faith in um, yeah my ability to play at the level. And that was, yeah, you're probably spot on by saying I sort of relaxed. And um, pretty much after that game, I sort of found a bit of a groove and started playing some pretty good footy. So, um, yeah, I think definitely there's a lot of moments like that throughout the year, but um, that particularly sort of helped me settle down and sort of find my spot in the team. And then, yeah, obviously become a little bit more comfortable at the level. Do you think that um, 
you know, obviously uh, settling in down back there, you know, obviously Nord was the, the best in the SNFL for scores against, which is, you know, a mighty achievement from you guys. Yeah, we we had a, a really good year as the, the back six. We had probably about 10 blokes go through there, so we had a lot of variety, but um, obviously having blokes like Jack Hurd and Campbell and even Donners um, bring the ball to the ground, it makes it pretty easy for us smalls to defend the um the forwards because they normally hit it pretty far away when they get their fist to it. But um, yeah, the way that we, we went about it was um, a credit to us boys, but also to our um, line coach, Brian Zanker. He did a massive amount of work with us um, to get us into that position. But, you know, we've got blokes like Rokes as well and um, Nani and Jay Rantel who are pretty keen to push back and help us as defenders. So Running, um, running yeah, both ways is important. Yeah, exactly. They wouldn't be too happy if I didn't give them a mention. So it's <laughs> um, definitely helpful as a as a back six group when you got blokes like that running back to help. Yeah. And and Jack Hurd obviously marshalling the troops back there. Yeah, Hurdy uh Hurdy will say that Barrick and Campbell might be the one. Um probably just can't probably just Jack a bit more that. Jack just a bit more vocal than uh, than Humphrey than Humphrey Ball. Yes. That's it. Ball is a little bit of a, a silent assassin, he just Gets the job done every week, but he's not the loudest bloke out there until you give him a few cans, that is. But, um, yeah, Hurdy, Hurdy doesn't mind saying his, um, his thought process out in the field, which is good. Hurdy superbly coached as a junior. <laughs> Taking yeah. any credit there? You wouldn't have anything to do with that, would you, Malcolm? Not at all. Not at all, Sam. <laughs> he was a, certainly a member of the East Adelaide Premiership side, yes. Yeah, so I've heard. I've yes. got to mention once or twice. Mate, the uh, the obviously the defence was pretty solid, and 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 just sort of looking at the the learnings, you know, from Twig, uh, you know, getting to the correct spots, uh, you know, as part of the game plan. You know, how long did it take to learn? Uh, it probably was almost a whole year. I mean, we did we did have a good year in twenty twenty one. Obviously, finishing third, but I sort of felt like it didn't really click um, until probably this year, around probably around seven or eight. I reckon when we really started playing some good footy um, and then we obviously went on for that patch winning eight in a row. But um, everything that we've done has been built up from that day one of pre-season. Twig's massive on, you know, um, like getting over the out number and helping out your mates. So that's obviously a massive part of our defence. Um, but, yeah, it's, it hasn't just happened overnight. We've put in heaps of work on the training track to get there and all credit to Twig. He's been sticking at us. Um, yeah, for a long time now, so it's good and, to see it paying off. And, and does that does that slightly alter? You know, obviously for different grounds. I mean, Nord's obviously a slightly smaller ground, but you know, you you obviously play, play your finals at Adelaide Oval. You know, does that does that sort of alter things just slightly? Uh, I don't think it it changes too much because we sort of back ourselves in with our fitness um, and our ability to win games off the back of how we play, but. I think obviously at, at home we're very hard to play against because how we outnumber the ball and how we defend on small ground. But mm-hmm. um, after that first final against the Crows where we got a smacking, we sort of probably did change it a little bit. Um, but I think our core game plan was always there. Um, and yeah, obviously got us a chockies in the end, which was pretty nice. Mm, I, thought, I thought we just improved dramatically about where to be when the opposition had the ball. And probably... You know, North Adelaide game was was a key game in that regard, the Sturt game. But I just I just felt we became far better when the opposition had the ball than last year and, and earlier this year. So it's probably an extension of your thoughts there really as well. Yeah, I agree. I think also um, the Port game at Alden, that was massive for us, um, knocking them off pretty easily. But that was, yeah, a great win for us boys. Absolutely. 
Now, now, come on, Sam. The key moment. Like you're an angel arriving from heaven, Sammy. Sir's mother, go for go through. You know, the guy's got round hurdy. It looks like it's going to be the killer blow, and you came you came out of the grandstand. Go go through it, mate. Oh well, yeah. It all it all happens pretty quickly. Obviously, on game day, you just do it out of instinct. But it sort of goes on what we've been talking about about our um, defence and outnumbering because. Yeah, you look on the video, I sort of, I reckon heard he was probably done there, but, and being a fellow backman, I didn't want to leave him out to dry, so I sort of just, yeah, left my man and um, tried to do the team thing and outnumber, which is what we've been doing all year, and yeah, luckily it paid off, and then we'll go down the other end, and the rest is history. Have you watched Danny Jenkins smother from 78 yet, mate? I haven't seen it, no, I've, I've been hearing lots about it, but um, <laughs> you might have to link me to it, yes, Malcolm, I'm will, pretty mate. keen to see it. We'll work on that. Might have to tag him in a photo, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon we can work yeah, on that. Yep. That's it. Look, Sam, you're a credit, uh, you're a no-frills, you're no-bullshit, that's where you're hugely respected by the group, and there's actually a really great photo where um, Twig virtually says that to you after the game, and massive congratulations, Huge thank you. But, yeah, wrapped to have you on the show and let's go back to back. 100%. No, no worries, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much, Sam. And hopefully, yes, back to back, Malcolm. We'll certainly be we giving it a crack. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, fellas. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. And welcome to our next guest, Harry Boyd. What can you say? Michael Taylor medalist, Jack Oti medalist, grand final win as well. Thanks, Harry, for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Malcolm. Thanks for having me. Mate, we're going to start right at the beginning. You know, where did your your career start as a junior, and how did you get to the parade? So, uh, yeah, began playing uh, footy in Shepparton. So, I played from primary primary school, secondary school, and then kind of um, my first senior club was the, the Shepparton Bears um, there, and um, yeah, progressed through that, and was fortunate enough to make the, the Mo Bush Rangers um, squad. So that's the I guess NAB League now. Yep. And um, after kind of going through that under 18s program, um, didn't get drafted and uh, went and played a couple of years at uh, Werribee VFL. And um, after that, I uh, played a full a year full at um, Shepparton again and um, year off in COVID. And then I found myself at the parade at the age of uh, 23. Did Rokes play a part in getting you? Yeah. To the parade? Yeah, so um, me and Rokes played together in a 2018 premiership um, at the Shepparton Bears and had a really good relationship, um, good mates, um, and also just really enjoyed playing footy together. I thought we always understood each other well. And, um, yeah, he kind of contacted me um, probably towards the, the back end of the COVID year and just um, actually asked me to play footy up in Darwin. And um, due to injury, I wasn't able to do it. I kind of injured myself uh, trying to run a marathon of all things um, at, uh, during the COVID year and wasn't kind of, and wasn't overly excited about moving up to Darwin, but we also got discussing um, Adelaide and how Norwood looked and um, yeah, he, he passed the number on to Rossi and a couple of weeks later, uh, Twig, Jade Rawlings was appointed and um, yeah, I was speaking to him over the phone and I think it was January, um, January 4th, 
2021, I kind of drove over, packed my wife up into a car and um, yeah, didn't really know what I was getting myself into too much, but I uh, was excited and uh, yeah, the rest is history. He's done well. And you started really at Nord more at centre-half forward and then moving into the ruck. So yeah, go through that, uh, that side of things. Yeah, so look, I, I played kind of my junior football in, in all, but both ends of the ground and I've been kind of the odd spurt in the ruck and um, probably felt my best football was actually as a key defender as the time that I uh, moved over here and um, quickly twig um, acknowledged that we we're probably pretty uh, solid back there. At the time we had Michael Talia and also obviously two premiership players in Campbell and Jack Hurd um, kind of holding down the, the key post there and he felt like my best chance to play senior footy was a, as a key forward, which... Um, yeah, no, it was definitely daunting. I played, yeah, as I said, a little bit of footy there, but never felt like it was my most comfortable position. And um, kind of did a few spurts in the ruck with Michael Knoll um, last year. So, um, yeah, it was definitely um, a challenging kind of position to, to learn and um, everything like that. But, um, yeah, obviously it progressed into this year being, being our ruckman. And obviously, you know, you talk about moving into the ruck. I mean, who was you know, really responsible for helping you, you know, get over that uh, that line, that hump, uh, you know, of, of going into the ruck and, and really dominating towards the end of the year? Yeah, so I, I guess how it looked, like, obviously, towards the um, the back end of last year, uh, Michael Noel was having issues with um, his uh, PCL and his knee, and um, I was probably spent about six to eight games as, as our full-time ruckman, and... Um, yeah, like I, I felt like I was I was growing into the role. I was um, actually had a couple Agreed, of completely. which wasn't great, but um, felt like by the, the, the South Adelaide last final that I, I kind of took a lot of confidence out of that game um, going into the preseason, and had a really good sit down with with Twig um, and kind of said, look, he admitted that look, if an A grade ruckman pops out of the AFL or something like that, and they definitely will inquire. But they Twig kind of filled me with confidence that we're actually more than happy for you to be our number one ruckman. I know there was a lot of external chat about, um, I guess, we don't have a ruckman. Um, but obviously, supporters and external voices didn't really see me as a permanent ruckman. So um, I guess it was was Twig that kind of um, that um, kind of filled me with that confidence that this is my role and he had um, great belief that I, that I could play it yeah. at a, um, a very high level. Is, is there anything you can't do? I mean, you, you know, you're calling yourself a backman, you're, you're playing at centre forward, you've moved into the ruck. I mean, is there anything you can't do, mate? Look, um, I would... I Mr. Versatility. The best thing about me is I think I'm a competitor. I think I'm very competitive yes. with anything I do in, in life um, and I think that holds me in good stead on a football field whatever position I'm in and um, I think I'll, I'll always try my best, so... Um, it might not be graceful at times. It might look a bit um, unnatural and un- unusual, but I think that's something that I pride myself in. I'm always trying my best, and um, hopefully that's good enough, and it's been kind of fortunate this year. that I, You certainly won everyone over that you were always giving 110%. I think, too, wasn't supporters, it wasn't so much doubting you. It was, hey, we haven't got any, anyone else. That was the scary bit that, geez, if, uh, if, you, if Harry happens to get injured, or is then running on empty tickets by September. We're in trouble, and Luke Sermon arriving was was a you know, a godsend. Yeah, it was just huge. And yeah, you know, after that game at Alberton where he played against us, and obviously ending up with you guys that night was just yeah, it was just a dream come true in the end. 
Yeah, look, it's a, it's a funny one with Sermo. So firstly, I was thinking about the other day that, look, if Sermo wasn't um, – if he did, never left in the first place, I was probably playing reserves last year and not playing the senior side. So there's a lot of sliding doors moments that go, yes. go on. But um, um, I've kind of known Sermo since I moved over here because he um, retained a really good relationship with um, Nick Roker as well. And um, he obviously had interest um, of getting him back next year. But, um, yeah, I guess how it worked out and um, through a few – I guess social outings where we were discussing with, um, what he was doing, and um, yeah, kind of through, through the club they decided, well, if um, we can facilitate this now, um, yeah, it's going to be good for us in the long run. He was he was superb. He had some really big moments throughout the final series where he changed the momentum of the game. I think big guys taking big marks can really change the momentum of the game, especially how defences set up these days. Um, and they really lock you in the forward half. A big contested mark can, can change the um, complexion of the game. And I, I look back to the second quarter against Glenelg. He took a big one but, um, in our back half. And just from there, we kind of got that confidence and got the ball forward and kicked the goal and went on with it. So, now nah, he's been a, uh, a fantastic acquisition. I think he's also got a lot of growth um, going into next year as well. Yes, I admit when the news came through that he'd signed, we, we'd need to be in seven-second delay for my reaction. So, yes. Uh, look, Harry, you know him for your determination, but it was ironic. So I think the first time I really spoke to you was after the North Adelaide game, and you're sort of looking at your phone. I'm thinking, okay, come on, mate. And then I realised you've then looked up and gone, right, these were Brooksby stats today. What can you tell me about him? And you're just planning on opposition players that – your bang straight away into it. Yeah, look, it's it's something that just kind of is a kind of a, ner- a nervous, like it kind of settles my nerves knowing everything I possibly can about my opposition. So it's something I do to prepare and understand what they're firstly going to do to me, what they're looking to do, and obviously how can I counteract it, and even to kind of know what their personality is like, what I'm expecting them yeah, to um to come out with is something that just makes me feel comfortable going to a game, especially when I haven't, haven't played on a player before. So, um, yeah, it's something that works for me. I could kind of drive other players crazy. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just, I guess, my, my best preparation that I've found, oh, especially at, in the ruck where it's quite clear who I'm playing against. Yeah, I admit, as a self-confessed footy moron, I took I, I was wrapped when you uh, <laughs> that you went head in that direction, mate. Yes, no, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a funny one. The boys laugh at me sometimes. And I'm sure about the, uh, you know, obviously opposition planning, uh, you got a little bit of a touch-up from uh, Kieran Strawn from Adelaide in that qualifying final, but you, you, you really turned it around two weeks later and came back and won that duel convincingly. Yeah, look, he's a really challenging player. Um, he's a good player. And um, look, throughout stages of this year, he was definitely in the top 18 ruckman in the country. It was just unfortunately that Adelaide felt that Riley O'Brien um, was... Um, ahead of him at Adelaide, but um, you know we've had some really good encounters throughout the whole year, and yeah, I was I was disappointed in my game in the qualifying final, and um, kind of had to really review pretty quickly um, what uh, myself and also the midfield group as a whole could do to to counteract his strengths and also kind of bring mine to life. And I think our leadership group was kind of as a whole really disappointed with our qualifying final. I think we were spooked and um, kind of went into our shell a little bit at um, like within the first quarter of the game. So, um, yeah, to, to respond 
um, like we did uh, two weeks later was was really pleasing. And a bit of ironry the uh, the the tap the tap from heaven to not to to the king for the king's goal. Scoring from stoppages wasn't a strength, so a bit of ironry there, mate. Yeah, look, we, we do just set up to kind of really lock that ball in. doesn't always mean to score, but at the same time, one thing we're still pushing for the whole year was to get more blocks in our 450. And um, a young player that has a, a very uh, kind of experienced head on his shoulders is Jacob Kennelly. Yes. And um, he took it upon himself at a, at a moment of genuine chaos in, in the kind of in a grand final to know that uh, Matt Panos is a pretty, pretty handy player around goal and he put a block on. Got on the move and um, I think a little deflection off Wilcombe and uh, yeah, the, the rest will be folklore for, for a long, long time. Yeah, a lot of Nord supporters will be uh, certainly celebrating that one for a long time to come. Yes, for sure. No, it's, it's been great to be a part of that moment and I think I'll uh, definitely cherish it for the rest of my life. Yeah, Harry, as we said, winner of the Michael Taylor medal, the Jack Odie, Jack Odie medal for the you know, the bog in the grand final. What a year. You truly get it. You know, you came along on the Friday night to support the making of the grand final banner. Credit to Alex Milicevic, the leader of the group with all that. But that group really appreciated that. Your professionalism, your homework, you're a gun. Hope, um, for your sake, hopefully there is AFL interest. For Nord's sake, hopefully not. No, I'll be, I'll be here next year. But no, thank you very much. And we've got a lot of great people around our football club and very fortunate. I've only been here for two years, but um, you know, it's been a, a great honour um, to play for this football club. and looking forward to playing for years ahead. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That's music mate. to our ears, mate. Thank you very much Thanks, for your time, mate. And um, certainly, hopefully, we get to see some growth and development again next year and, and turn you into one of the great, great players at Nord. No, thank you very much. No, looking forward to it. We're working hard already. Thank you very much, Harry. Cheers. Thank you. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. And welcome, Matty Panos. What can you say? The king, the man of the moment. What, what else can you say? Matty, thank you for joining us tonight. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Yeah, what can we say? Oh, no worries, guys. Thanks for, thanks for having thanks, me on. Thanks, King. Thanks, mate. Matty, we're going to go right back to where you started your juniors and, and how did you get to the parade? Um, oh, probably a bit different to most. I didn't really start playing footy till I was maybe in like year eight or nine. Um, I think I had one. Yeah, I played soccer and tennis sort of growing up. They were the two sports, tennis in summer and soccer in winter and always keep the footy. Um, like I went to St. Joseph's Hectorville, so I always keep the footy with um, the guys and girls there and had a park next to my house. So um, I would keep the footy with dad as well as soccer and it had tennis courts as well. So um, I was obsessed with sport from a young age. So I was at the park pretty much every day um, straight after school and mum and dad would have to come and get me for dinner. And then with daylight savings, I'll probably go after dinner as well. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I really started playing until uh, properly until sort of like yeah year nine at Ross Trevor and then a few of my mates were playing at Norwood um, like Tom Jonas was the same age Paul Fantasia who's with dad's James at Norwood yep. now um, they were Ross Trevor and at Norwood as well so I think it was maybe under 15s they told me to come out and played in like a, light, a lightning carnival where you play sort of three games and do 
a little bit of training and then um, probably started to develop into a better footballer than I was at soccer. So there was a few years, sort of, yeah, year nine, 10, maybe even year 11, I was playing both. I played soccer um, on the Sunday, so I didn't really have a club. I played a few games for Paynham because those boys and um, a few others played for Paynham, which was a pretty successful team. I think Gav Roberts, Jesse O'Brien, Lewis Johnson were, were in that team as that's well a, as that's you know, a fair Paul, side. Mm. Yeah, Kieran Holland was at, at uh, Rossi as well. So I just sort of floated in and played with them <laughs> whenever I wanted, which was um, good fun. So yeah, Paynham were, were really accepting, although I didn't really play heaps of games there throughout the years because I was still playing yeah, soccer on the Sunday. Um, and then, yeah, from there sort of went into under 15s and 17s and 90s, 19s um, as it was back then and then sort of changed as I was getting into under 18s, but just basically played at Ross Trevor and, and Nord and that was pretty much it. Fantastic. And, and mate, just moving ahead obviously to this year, um, you know, Come, coming back from injury in round eight, uh, you know, you play nine games uh, for eight wins. I mean, that's that's a pretty good strike rate. Yeah, it wasn't um, – oh, I didn't really know how this year would go, to be honest, because when you're sort of watching for a year or a year and a half and you see what everyone else is doing and when you're running laps and I'm, I'm watching training as I'm running laps, it's I'm almost thinking, like, how can I get back to this level? And mm. it feels like they're going – when you watch, sometimes you think it's – a lot harder than when you're actually out there and in the moment. Um, Tom, yeah, watching training, um, running laps, you know, three times a week thinking, shit, how the hell am I supposed to get back to this level? And guys are, you know, throwing themselves at each other and training's pretty physical uh, with twig and hard and a lot of contested work and tackling and sort of fast drills. Um, so, yeah, I was probably lacking a little bit of confidence. But once I started training and getting back into it, um before my first game, I knew that I was ready to go. I'd done probably four or five weeks of full training. Um, and then in that Crows game, I just wanted to get through the game. I didn't really care about playing well. I thought, you know, if I kick a goal, that would be awesome. If we get a win, that would be amazing. Um, we're playing the top team um, who are red hot. I didn't expect much. And, you know, the coaching group just said just to sort of play and um, you know, not think about it too much and, just not try and get through the game, but, you know, no pressure to think that, you know, I need to perform <laughs> and try and be at my best because I don't really know what that is yep. anymore um, after such a long time. And was probably more of a midfielder where, you know, this, this year probably played more forward than I did mid. So, you know, roles change, people around me. I don't really – haven't played with many of the players. So, um, yeah, no, there was a bit of freedom and, freedom and I guess not too much pressure from – the coaching staff so, and other players to expect me to, um, you know, perform at a high level. So Twiggy gave you a little bit of license to move about wherever you liked? Uh, a little bit. He wanted me probably to stay more forward, but said yep. had freedom to, yep. um, you know, go into centre bounces. And if I wanted to play for you a little bit in the midfield and we rotate as a forward line um, a fair bit so I can play deep or a bit higher, mm-hmm. occasionally come into stoppage and it's a bit more about, a system rather than, you know, I'm not just going to, or someone isn't just going to play deep the whole time yep. out of the goal square and other people aren't going to play up high the whole time. And, you know, we sort of move around a bit. So yeah, it gave me freedom and, you know, it takes a bit to get used to which players to swap with and uh, who likes what positions and that sort of stuff. But yeah, he certainly gave me the license to, to control 
what I, you know, how I wanted to go. If I was really tired, then, you know, sit deep or if I felt good and we had a bit of momentum, maybe, you know, keep pushing and get up around the midfield. And then the last five minutes was pretty surreal. Of uh, that, of that game against, yeah. Against yeah, game. I was, um, yeah, I, it was crazy because we had lost a few close games over that sort of 18 months and um, thought, you know, we'd had a good crack, but I knew if we got a goal that, you know, momentum in the home crowd. And even though there was probably only a couple of thousand, it felt like a lot of people. And then Connor kicked a couple of good goals um, to get us right in it. And then, uh, yeah, I guess getting the ball outside 50 and the guy on the mark starts running back to sort of cover the goal. <laughs> it was bizarre. Worked out well. It was like you had COVID, mate. You told them all you had COVID and yeah. they were all running away. <laughs> all running away. So, yeah, just sort of seize a moment of, could see that they were they weren't looking and folding back and to get it on quick, um, and then yeah it was almost yeah like a fairy tale probably at the time probably the best goal I've ever kicked <laughs> now it's probably the second best goal I've ever kicked but it was oh yeah like the crowd and just everything that I've been through in it those was cr- well, six six hundred and thirty days or whatever they said they said it was was uh, like yeah absolutely incredible and it was pretty good being with you that night it was pretty just quite satisfaction. From you that night, uh, yeah, the grin was pretty wide as it should have been. Uh, Matty, yeah, Matty, let's go back over to the the Western Bulldogs days, where they had a really weird system. Go through it, explain to hopefully our listeners um, about what happened. You know where you, where you had to play. Yeah, so I got drafted at the end of '09. So yeah, the start of the 2010 season, we had, um, or the Western Bulldogs were affiliated with. Williamstown, so it's a, a bit different now. Most of the teams are standalone, so I think Richmond are now, and yeah. the Bulldogs have Footscray, um, I think maybe Carlton as well, but most of the teams had affiliates um, with like a local club, so it would be like the Crows being assigned to Justin Norwood, and all, um, but yeah, it's a bit different when you're so it's most of the Most of them are standalone now. Now, yeah, so and then part of that rule with, I think, the VFL... And the club, so Williamstown and the Bulldogs, was that they could only play 12 AFL players in the team, in the senior team. So uh, going over as a rookie and normally all the young first-year players, you know, if they had 18 people available some weeks, six guys had to play in the reserve. So, yeah, the equivalent to, like, you know, the uh, the VFL reserve. So you're on an AFL list hoping to play AFL, but you're not even playing VFL, you're playing VFL reserves and, um, you know, that, that first year we had a pretty good run of injuries at the Bulldogs, I think. They uh, made the prelim um, and went went deep into finals. So I think I probably played 10 or 12 games in the twos, as did a lot of other. Christian Howard was a first-round draft pick. He was playing in the reserves. Luke Dowhouse the next year was doing the same thing, and these guys went on to play AFL. But um, Liam Jones was the same. So it was, yeah, pretty broken system. And as a rookie, if you had um you basically had to wait till someone was out for the whole year to get elevated but there's five of you trying to get elevated for that one spot and um if you've been playing in the reserves then it's you know you need to try and build form in the seniors before then even thinking about playing afl but you know the experience was really good over the three years in that first year the forward line that i was competing with was like barry hall brad johnson jason ackermanis bob murphy sean higgins Mitch Hahn, Daniel Jones, Syracuse. So there's some pretty, it's pretty strong cool style, names. Absolutely. Yeah, very strong stuff. But even just to to be yeah. around them, 
you know, day to day and, and learn from them stuff that, you know, they talked me about and taught me, um, you know, 10, 12, what, yes, 12 years ago, I still, you know, try and use in my game at the moment, which is, although I guess it didn't go my way in those three years, I've still learned a fair bit that, that have made me into a good player today. Important yep. on the development. Absolutely. And uh, obviously coming back to Adelaide and, and winning the 2014 uh, Jack Odie medal, uh, you know, what does that mean to you? Uh, oh, it means a lot and meant a lot at the time as well because I came back in 2013 and got injured just before finals and then missed out on the flag. So, you know, 2012 I was in, in Melbourne wishing that I was back playing at Norwood and they win the flag and then being back and then being injured and missing out, um, even though I was only 21 or yeah, it would have been 22. It's, you know, still hurts even though I was pretty young. And then um, it was almost like a bit of redemption for me to to try and win one. And, you know, the whole build-up playing against Port, first one at Adelaide Oval, 40,000. They had 19 listed players. Mm. Um, yeah, being able to win by, yeah, under under a goal as well and then to win the Jack Odys, oh, absolutely amazing. something I'll cherish forever. But even before... It was just, yeah, it was just all about winning, and it was a pretty special group, and still good mates with uh, all the guys, really. Yep. yep. Compare the two flags uh, you've played in, Noz. Oh, it's two like ten out of tens. I don't know if you can. I'd probably yeah, it's it's super hard because you've got that with the. No, I didn't mean in terms of comparing them ability wise, but just the reactions. You know, almost Ball being the senior figure this year. Fourteen. Yeah, know, that, well, that was. Yeah, it was probably a bit of redemption in both almost because this was, you know, missing two yep. years. But knowing that it's it's been eight years, 31, nearly 32, and what I've been through, it, it probably meant a bit more deep down um, and what I've been able to bring to the group, particularly since round eight. Um, and, yeah, the group is so young, so just f- feeling like that older sort of dad of the group. Um yeah, it's it's really special, and just you know, speaking to the guys after the game, and well, I guess how they sort of like look up to me as well makes it you know even more special that we're able to do it um, when I guess no one probably thought that we'll be able to get there. Your parents on grand final night, Paul and Mickey. I may have been leading a fair few of the Nord faithful in congratulating the two of them for creating you. Uh, uh, cre- creating the king on grand final night. Uh, <laughs> look, I no. obviously knew your dad, but I hadn't met your mum, and I was a bit worried how she'd take me. I think she thought, oh, this guy's a bloody idiot, but at least she was laughing about it as well. So, yeah, it was good fun. Oh, no, they're, they're good. They they love getting around the people. Dad will talk to anyone, so he's probably spoken to every person. That's a, that's an old member. They probably all know who he is. But, um, no, they've supported me from the start, and... Um, it was pretty hard when I was on crutches for six to eight weeks and they're driving me to work and picking me up every day, um, even, you know, last year. So I think good reward for them. And oh, it was sure fantastic. Enjoyed enjoy the night as well. Oh, look, I think, yeah, you know, it would have been a very interesting competition for the uh, biggest grin in terms of from your mum and Sonia Carroll from the uh, parent <laughs> side of things. Oh, Sonia was in very good form. Yes. I think she would probably be number one. <laughs> and, uh, and mate, just to finish us off, uh, I'm sure you've probably heard it a million times or you might have seen the footage, but we do have a little bit of audio here and I'm sure the Nord Faithful wouldn't mind listening to it one more time. 
They've worked their way through a qualifying final loss into a first semi win, into a prelim. Now they've got a oh, chance. Panos, if anyone can stand oh, up, it's Matthew. Oh my God, Mr. Magic has done it. No one in front. Mate, still gives me goosebumps now. Oh, yeah, it's still. Um... I uh, still can't believe it, to be honest. But, yeah, I think Soda's commentary is um, unbelievable. So, it's yeah, it still gives me goosebumps as well, as I'm sure it does to a, to a lot of people. Oh, Soda's nailed it. Um, yeah. And, look, I'm, I'm still the same, Noz, that, you know, just still walking around smiling, just thinking still about around. It seems a bit ridiculous, but it's just still huge as far as I'm concerned. I, I think personally, too, as a Nord supporter, you know, been around, been around a while, I think this is the first ever flag we won where we were the massive underdogs. You know, probably not the best side in ability, but just kept having a crack. And, you know, the inner belief probably born from that game against Adelaide where we just kept going. And, yeah, to come from behind in both the prelim final where the rain came just in time and the grand final, it's still just huge. Yeah, I think, or oh, I, yes, I'm still pinching myself about it as well, and probably hasn't fully sunk in, and might not for for a few more weeks. But um, oh, I completely agree. It's almost sort of the story of our year when you know we didn't start very well, lost a few games, a couple of close ones at the start of the year. And yeah, probably from the Crows game, and then the, we lost to North, and but then beat Port. I think after that, it sort of started the run, and almost every game was like we were underdogs and needed to win to stay in touch with finals. And it was, you know, to consolidate top five. And then we needed to keep winning to try and get top three. Um, and then the same thing in the finals, Glenelg were down at quarter time. Crows were down for most of the game. Um, and then, yeah, grand final, what happened in the last sort of five minutes, sort of typified our year and prob- or probably second half of the year and how much belief and um, growth we've, an improvement we've had because, yeah, we're probably not the most talented team, don't have the big names and AFL names like other clubs do, but, you know, we believe in the system and believe in what Twig's telling us and and our way of playing. And, yeah, it, it really stood up in September, which was awesome. Look, Niles, I'm still absolutely dumbfounded that you weren't picked up again after 2014. Yeah, I agree. I will quote a pretty well-respected AFL figure, Malcolm, every AFL recruiter should be shot. Panos isn't just a number on the end of a list. He's elite. And personally, that absolutely nails it. I think most of Nord supporters would agree too. Greatly appreciated, Noz. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, Noz. Thank you. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Welcome back to the Game On Podcast. Flashbacks. Flashbacks. Welcome back. We've got a slightly new subject here for us, Malcolm. We haven't done this one before, but we thought it was appropriate, being that it is our Nord Grand Final episode, uh, talking about our favourite Grand Finals of years past. Yeah, look, and every every flag special in its own in its own way. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit different here in terms of 
Yeah, seventy five. Our first in first in uh, twenty five years as a twelve year old was unique. But I probably I'm going with fourteen in terms of beating beating the arch enemy. Nineteen AFL listed players, all the advantages they've got. I thought that was huge. Uh, it was a really great standard game as yes. well. Yep. And you know, ebbed and flowed. We get away at the start. They get in front the second quarter. Then it was an arm wrestle after that. You know, I love that. And look, also for me this year, this year I, I still, I'm still walking around. What is it? Whatever the date is. You know, twelfth of October. Still grin from year to year from yep. this flag. I think it was so unexpected in terms of where we're at. Not being the best side and all that with some realism, but just the G and D, guts, determination, stuck at it. They come from the clouds, you know, the prelim. How in the hell can you, in a low-scoring game, you're down eight goals to five at the 18-minute mark of the last quarter and win is bloody ridiculous. It is. You know, it's to come from there, you know, the king with a left foot snap, then uh, I'd, you know, find out from there immediately, a couple of messages, 42 seconds to go and knowing. And, yeah, it was just, it was huge. It's one of those ones that'll that'll stick around for for quite a long time. It was pretty incredible. One point victories. It's it's the weather 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 dominating factor. Absolutely. Seventy eight. I mean, for me, look personally, nineteen eighty four, huge yep. year. Um, you know, I'm not, not going to argue with you. On no, that. I don't think there'd be too many that would argue there. I mean, you know, to uh, to play Port Adelaide, obviously, you know. In the peak of their powers or in that mix uh, and yep. we, we were around the mark there in 78, 82 and 84 but you know 84 just has that history makers draw that keeps bringing me back to, to watching footage and, and a bit like this year's and, and I can't split this year's either because you know there's so many moments in there like 84 that will become folklore for, for Norwood supporters for years and years to come. 84, the first semi against Centrals was actually similar similar to this year's grand final. We were right, we were, we were really struggling in that last quarter and then ran all over Centrals in the last five to ten minutes. Uh, the prelim final in 84, you think, Glenelg kicked for goal like drunken sailors. They yes. were two goals, 14 at one stage. Yeah, um, yeah huge as well. It's huge. I mean, you think about some of those those moments from 84. I mean, Aish running down the wing. KT's mark. KT's mark. I mean, and then the, and then the delivery to Aish, you know, 30, 40 metres out, 30 metres out was just superb. Um, Evans, yeah, we, and, Evans and Balm in the goal square uh, sort of changed the way that we line up now for, for national anthems. Uh, it sort of had a bit of everything, really. It was, and I still date back to that, the whole bit there. And of course, Craig Balm's at Nord. Hey, he's Neil's brother, you know. Is he going to be, you know, like Neil did have white line fever, a bit calculated white line fever, and yep. the game was different back then too. Yes. I'm very big on defending Neil Baum on that way. Yeah. Um, but when the cameras scan to the bench, when all the rest of us thinking, what in the hell is going to happen? And there's Neil just pissing himself laughing. laughing. Yes. You know, um, yeah. And Craig, that actually the idea of that actually came. From the late Ian Stasnowski and Greg Nicholson were the two who picked that. That Tim Evans will not take that very well. Yep, and it did put him off for a little while, and and he gave away that free kick uh, ten, five or ten minutes in that that sort of would have got them back in in the first quarter anyway. Craig, but Craig just did that superbly. Yeah, he did. 
Absolutely. And and fifty thousand two hundred and seventy one fans at, at, at Footy Park. I mean that's that's huge. Oh the atmosphere was sensational and we were in the outer then and mates and that and that the bounce by Aishi and ironic we spoke about it before yes, the show that we did. Actually got a message from Ian Denham thanking me about my book and he said, you know, that he was the boundary umpire chasing Aishi as he took those five bounces keep along, along and, you know, we, we, we were all waving Aishi along and, yeah, it was huge. And, and Neville Roberts kicking six? Yeah. He it was with speaking about Neville, with Neville a fair bit at that since then, he couldn't believe that he didn't get Martin Leslie as an opponent and he got the late Anthony Williams mm-hmm. and, yeah, he... He was pretty confident in terms of his ability, and so he should have been. Neville's one of the all-time greats, but he was very confident that he'd be too good for Anthony Williams, and he was. Yep, and and obviously a young Gary McIntosh, David Payne. I mean, these are these are legends of the club, and and should be recognised for that, which they already are. But you know, you, you date back to nineteen eighty four, and you see the game that they, they play in, in, and the role that they've played in the club since. Oh, looking, yeah. Justin Scanlon's cut a few couple yep. of marks in those last few minutes. Glenn Vardaniger's part coming coming to the side a little bit like Mitch Carroll actually. Yep. In that regard, um, you know, you, Rowan Hellyer gets injured. Andrew Jarvis stands up. Peter Lachlan's part. We can go on and on. Yeah, we could exactly. So we should be. And so you're correct. And, and obviously for me also 2014. I meant the three peats. Uh, you know, sort of coming. Back after a couple of losses early in the season, uh, Benny Warren under a little bit of pressure, but seemed to get it together towards the end and, and really came home with a wet sail. Yeah, look, 2012, I've got to be honest, it's the most relaxed I've ever been in a grand final. Yep. Turned up. Ironically, had been with Michael Barker, Nord Jr., uh, the day before, and was an assistant coach at West Adelaide then. And I said if I was West Adelaide, I'd go completely different here and go a seven-man forward line and he went, Robert, couldn't agree with you more, but Collins won't. And Bass was just too good. We were too good to play that similar game. And it was yep. ri- it was ridiculous by West Adelaide not to try something. Yep. And then obviously this year, uh, what can you say? I mean, th- those moments that we've already talked about, you know, they are going to become folklore. They are going to be replayed over and over again. You know, if we can keep a couple of these guys together for a few years, it's exciting. Really yeah, exciting, and it was redemption for eighteen. I admit, eighteen still the one which eats at me. Yep. As a supporter, look, as a player, a coach, I've coached thirty five games in my life, thirty two wins, three losses, including two grand finals. Yep. So I'm pretty unlucky I didn't get the Glenelg job, really. <laughs> um, so that that will always eat at me as a player. Yes, but purely for any team I barrack for. Yes. At 18, yep. for me, is the one which will still gets me. I, I walked away from 18 oh, as well. Probably the most gutted out of any of the yeah. grand finals that I have been to, um, you know, where we where we probably should have got over the line and, and we didn't play very smart that day, unfortunately. But, you know, that North Adelaide were a little too good on the day and that, yeah, that does they happen. Yeah, run of the bounce as well. Some yep. goals like the first bounce oh, of yes. the game. We're still waiting for, for Ruddy Harris to recall the bounce, you know, yep. ball the way it went. Matty Fuller and Wilco colliding. Yeah. So there's things there. Yeah. And and 
you know, f- fantastic to reminisce on, on this particular episode about some of our feedback about these grand finals. But we'd love to hear from you on our Facebook site. We do have a Facebook site, a Sportscast SA. We'd love to hear from any Nord supporters or any North supporters, if in fact, about any of the grand final that, that might be their best ones as well. And we might mention them a little bit later on, Malcolm. Oh, I'm pretty confident North supporters probably won't enjoy this episode that Pro- much. Probably not to this point anyway, but that's okay. So, no, thank you very much, Malcolm, for today. We thank our special guests, Jacob Kennelly, Sam Morris, Harry Boyd, and, and the King, Matty Panos. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, reminisce and, and go down memory lane, not only for the last couple of weeks, but dating back a few years as well. I oh, look and greatly appreciated the guests and and the depth they went into things. Look, Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, Harry going back, Harry and going right back to his, you know, his junior set up and Shepparton and Matty going through the whole Western Bulldogs. Jacob is right, you know, influences at Geelong. Sammy with the junior junior career at Paynham. Every one of them was fantastic. Exactly what we wanted from our grand final episode, and hopefully we can get a few people to share it as well. That'd be great. Go the legs. Go Norwood. It's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, it's the emblem for me and for you. It's the emblem of the team we love, the team of the red and the blue. Every heart beats true for the red and the blue as we sing the song to you. What do we say? Should old acquaintances be forgotten? Keep your eye on the red and the blue. This crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.